but he's um, on two occasions now um, uh, got to practice this block by um, shoving large cotton buds up my nose. Welcome to episode 16 of the Obzengani Crick Care Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. Um, this week I'm joined again by my colleague uh, Gareth Ansel. Um, this week's topic is sphenopalatine blocks for the management of postural puncture headache. Um, I think Gareth's quite enjoyed this topic. Uh, because he's um, on two occasions now um, uh, got to practice this block by um, shoving large cotton buds up my nose. So um, we're hoping to have a, uh, a little video for you to link to which um, shows you how to perform this block. And um, uh, Gareth uh, kindly put that together for us with me as um, the volunteer. I don't think I'm going to get a Nobel Prize like, um, who's the guy who won the Nobel Prize for swallowing H. pylori? I forgot his name. Which well, what he, he did experimenting local, on himself, but locally in Perth. Yeah, as that's well. right. Yeah, everyone's going to be cringing because we can't remember. Gareth, do you want to, um, for the listeners, revise uh, what is postural puncture headache and just sort of uh, summarise um, why it's an issue for us? Yeah, postural puncture headache is a low pressure headache that can develop from leakage of CSF following the damage to the dura, um, which provides a hole for leakage of CSF. Uh, in our practices, uh, obstetric anaesthetists commonly see it following uh, inadvertent jaw puncture with the epidural uh, tui needle, but it can also occur with uh, the expected jaw puncture with a spinal needle. The other instances where we get, get involved with the treatments, patients who have had lumbar punctures, and after the lumbar punctures, which use larger bore needles. Um, they can commonly get a postural puncture headache from the leakage of CSF. Yep. Um, so, yeah, just taking up on that point. So I've, uh, over the last 10 years, done quite a few blood patches for dural puncture headaches, and I, um, I think probably a third of them were actually for um, patients who had lumbar punctures done in the emergency department um, with very large cutting needles. So that's definitely um, a fairly common cause of this condition as well, even not just uh, obstetric um, anesthesia practice. Um, and it's pretty, um, although it's not like going to cause any long-term damage to people, it's pretty um, distressing for some people, isn't it? So it's a pretty serious problem. Yes, it's a very significantly severe headaches, which are postural, and they commonly resolve by themselves after 7 to 14 days. But if you're a, a new mother with looking after your baby those first 7 days, you do not want to be laying, on, laying, on, laying down with your baby. Yep. And some people literally can't get out of bed and they just lie in a dark room for days and it's, um, it's a pretty horrible um, experience for them. All right. Um, so so what is, what's the treatment of postural puncture headache? Apart from not doing it in the first place, which we all try not to do, but um, we just realise that it's an unavoidable part of our practice. Well, the traditional treatment uh, for postural puncture headache has been the conservative and uh, epidural blood patch is the other option. So initially we always try to do the treatments with the least amount of harm. So uh, try and conserve the treatment with giving paracetamol, non-steroidals, plenty of fluids. Caffeine's always uh, up 
to debate and neuroagents are still debating the, the safety, the medication safety, safety and breastfeeding. So those are the, the initial treatments that we try. The gold standard is previously been an epidural blood patch and now it's been a palatine ganglion blocks. It's bringing into another uh, domain into the treatment of uh, postural puncture headaches and epidural blood patch involves getting 20 mils of autologous blood and injecting into the epidural space to help improve the headaches. Yep, so um, so this talk is about spina palatine block, but I, I guess we should just briefly cover what a, uh, why an epidural blood patch is thought to work. So, correct me if I'm wrong, Gareth, but so my understanding of, this is what I always tell people, is that the headache is because um, you've got, haven't got enough CSF and when you stand up the... Um, the brain sort of uh, puts traction on some of the um, innervated structures in the head like the meninges uh, causing a headache and the epidural blood patch relieves that pain by pushing sort of in the short term pushing um, CSF from the spine up into the brain so within a few minutes you get relief um, but also just causing fibrosis and uh, maybe the blood clots and blocks the hole so that the CSF doesn't leak out. It's a bit up to debate as to the actual mechanism, I think. But it's definitely pretty successful in some people. It's not 100% successful, though, is it? The, it's not 100% successful, particularly people get initial improvement, then can get recurrences of the headaches. There's only 50 to 60% uh, long-term success in those first uh, 48 hours. That's right. So even though epidural blood patch is um, you know, considered to be the best treatment available, it's not perfect. It doesn't work for everyone. It's pretty invasive as well, so I think that's why people have been exploring other options like the sphenopelotine ganglion block. Um, a lot of women who have, you know, uh, developed this complication are loathe to have someone put another large needle into their back, um, as that was what caused it in the first place. So you can sort of understand that. Um, any other comments, or should we move on to sphenopelotine ganglion block and what it is? Well, we should uh, move on to the to the sphenopelotine. Okay. So what? Do you want to explain to the listeners, Gareth, what is the sphenopalatine ganglion block and then maybe um, a little bit about its history as well? Because I'm, I'm actually be interested to hear what you, you think you know a bit more about that than me. Yes. So the sphenopalatine ganglion sits in the tritopalatine fossa, which is posterior to the middle concha in, in the nose. And it's, uh, it's uh, got a plexus of nerves from parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system and is the biggest collection of uh, ganglion of nerves outside the brain and um, so it's a in the head so it's a good target to try and block to reduce the headache uh, so performing the block you need to put local anesthetic around the the ganglion um, to, to block it and to reduce the headaches yep. it's thought to help in postural puncture headache specifically by blocking the parasympathetic nerve fibers and then causing dilatation of the uh, cranial blood vessels and improving blood flow and reducing the headaches. Okay, and so um, when I looked uh, this uh, block up on uh, the internet, which is what everyone does in doctors and patients, um, a lot of the, procedure, the procedures that were described were people sticking big needles through the side of the head uh, deep into the sort of um, recesses of their face, um, but what we what we um, propose and what a lot of people do now is is much less invasive than that, isn't it? It's just yes. using a swab through the nose. 
There's less invasive and lower risk by yeah. doing it by that way. But the, uh, they've been used for a very long time since way back as the 1950s if people have been using this for, for a wide variety of reasons, but more, more, most commonly for headaches. Yep. And then seen a resurgence again more recently and we've been used uh, frequently for patients with chronic migraines, tension headaches or cluster headaches and also for post-operative analgesia for patients to having endoscopic nasal sinus surgery. And then more recently being look, looked at being used for the treatment of postural puncture headache. Yeah, yeah. so certainly you do see um, um, emergency department blogs and um, videos and things talking about using it in the, for patients who present with severe migraines and that sort of thing. So it's definitely um, a topical um, treatment for headache. Um, all right. So the next question uh, is, what, what's the evidence? You know, um, has, has anyone looked at this in a sort of more scientific way? Yeah, so there's uh, a lot of evidence looking at uh, the use of it for other causes of headaches, and there was a systematic uh, review uh, published last last year in the Journal of Headache and Pain, and this looked at uh, all the different uses for it, and it has been shown to be effective in uh, in for headaches for in a randomized control trial and dependent on the type of headache. The use specifically in postural puncture headaches, so far there's been case series and case reports, uh, but no randomized control trial. But the case series, the largest which has had 32 patients and published by Cohen in 2009, showed that there was a reduction in needing for epidural blood patch of up to 69%. Um, okay. And in other case series and case reports, there's been uh, up to 100% reduction in the need for epidural blood patch. So there is evidence um, that it works as well as being less invasive and lower risk than doing epidural blood patch. So the way I've tried to sort of um, put this together is I think that so what, what, the, uh, what it shows is that you can give people analgesia to take away the pain from the headache um, while you wait for it, the leak the CCF leak itself to, to um, resolve spontaneously by conservative management. Is that how you yes. um, think yes. of it? Yeah, look at yeah. it as a, as a, as a, to provide people energy so they can look after the baby or if it's, or if it, they don't have a newborn baby to provide, give them to that seven to 14 days when you know it's gonna gradually uh, resolve by itself. Okay, that's good, all right. Now, um, we could, I can, can just ask you, how do you perform a sphenopalatine ganglion block uh, you know, using this sort of transmucosal approach? But perhaps, maybe, uh, we are going to post the video where you just, where you um, did it on me. Uh, the first video didn't work, so we got to do it twice. Um, um, so that might be, um, yeah, we'll just do the sort of brief outline. And then those of you, those of you who are listening who want to actually uh, get a more detailed description, I encourage you to watch the video, which we should post at the same time. Yes, right. yeah. If they uh, watch the video to go through in further detail about how to perform a block, uh, to touch on it briefly, uh, you need uh, hollow-tipped uh, cotton, cotton swabs, uh, which you can inject local anaesthetic down, and need some medication to topicalize the nose, and you need a local anaesthetic solution, which you're going to administer. So first off, you topicalize the patient's nose, then, what do, you, what do you use to topicalize? What did you use to topicalize my nose? 
That is uh, cooking, okay? Yep. Nasal spray. Yep. And then uh, saturate the cotton tip of the swabs uh, with local anesthetic and gently insert that into into the nose and going aiming posteriorly and slightly superiorly uh, to aim to, to block the sphenopalatine ganglion. Um, and then once it's in place and touching the posterior nasopharyngeal wall, uh, keeping in place for half an hour, injecting local anesthetic every five minutes. Yeah, so I guess the key point is because you're trying to get it to diffuse um, across the mucosa and into the uh, ganglion, you have to have the the cotton swab up against the you know sort of tightly up against the mucosa with a really high concentration local anesthetic solution to sort of um, for quite a while to uh, get it to diffuse across because unlike the the old-fashioned way of doing this block where they did injections with needles this um, relies on diffusion which um, it means you've got to have the swab in the right spot and you've got to have a high gradient so pretty concentrated stuff what did you probably, yep. you probably just said what concentration did you use? I use five uh, percent lignocaine. Yeah. Uh, other options is <coughs> to use a, a viscous or an ointment uh, local anaesthetic, which will stay there. Um, and there is options of using a longer acting local anaesthetic, but the lignocaine um, is, has promising results from the information that we do have. All right. And now, what about a real patient? So, um, how how successful have you? found it to be. I know we've done uh, done it in some real patients with postural puncture headache. So it's uh, in my uh, own practice I've found it's it's each patient's uh, different in how how much benefit they get they get. Uh, some patients have had no improvement and other patients have had uh, significant improvement with, with resolving resolvement of their headache. Yep. Um, but it can can recur up to uh, 12 to 24 hours later, which either may warrant repeating the block or consideration of doing other treatments. Yep. So I guess um, uh, it's not a replacement for an epidural blood patch, is it? Um, but it is a good option to try. And it's, it's pretty safe and um, um, straightforward once you've learned how to do it. Um, to um, provide analgesia, but some patients may still um, need to go and have an epidural blood patch. Is, is that your yes, opinion? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that I preempted that. That was our last question. Was like, what do you do if there's no improvement? So you, you know, so I think. So what about the, and this? Is like a little bit of, um, uh, I guess, the teasing out the details. Is so when you when we discuss with patients, do you think we should? Um, strongly recommend trying this before you offer them a blood patch or should you just mention blood patch doing nothing and the sphenopalatine block and just say the pros and cons of all of them and, and see what the patient uh, uh, what the patient's opinion is well, it's a bit hard to know isn't it a lot of patients like to be directed and told what they should do and this should be individualized to yeah. the patient and ask them what they would like as talked about earlier some people the thought of having another epidural uh, very much against having another an epidural blood patch. One of the great uh, benefits of doing a sphenopalatine ganglion block is you need minimal equipment. It doesn't take a very long time. You don't need to get them to the anaesthetic room and one operator can do it. So if you see someone at uh, 8 o'clock at night and they've got a severe headache, you can provide them a sphenopalatine ganglion block as a, to improve their headache till the, till the next day. And then if their headache's not better, then you can offer an epidural blood patch. 
at that stage. And if the headache is better, you can continue with that treatment. So it's a, it's a great option as an extra analgesic agent uh, for the patient. And it won't completely replace the epidural blood patch, but it's another tool in the armory. Yeah, I think that's, that's the impression that most of us are getting. And it is still, I guess we should also mention, it is still early days for us. So even though we're putting together this uh, blog and uh, video, we're by no means experts. It's still, early, you know, we're in the early um, stages of learning what its place is going to be in the overall management um, of this condition. Um, all right, I think we can probably wind it up. Are there any other comments, Gareth, that we haven't mentioned? No, I think we've, we've covered them. The other other thing which I was going to say is it's useful in patients who may have a contraindication to having epidural blood patch, so patients who are concerned about sepsis, yep. uh, patients who have got abnormal back anatomy when you just the thought of going back with an epidural blood yep. patch is just uh, if they've had an inadvertent dural puncture. So when I my last video I talked about patients with spina bifida, and if they had a dural puncture, I would definitely would not be going back and uh, yeah, trying agree. to do an epidural blood patch. And then the the useful alternatives for patients such as that as well. I guess we should. So we're mentioning contraindications to blood patch. Well, I guess there probably are some contraindications to doing this as well, aren't there? So um, I'll just off the top of my head. Um, anyone who has um, um, you know severe nasal problems um, would be you know like um, previous uh, obstructional fractures or recent nasal surgery yeah. trying to avoid. What about anything else that comes yeah, to mind? Deviated nasal uh, septum and uh, the obvious is uh, local anaesthetic uh, uh, allergies. Yep. Okay, I think that's pretty much it. So thanks again, Gareth, for coming along. Oh, I just wanted before we go to clarify. So I think those of you who are um, uh, keen listeners uh, may have picked up in the last talk on spina bifida that I tried to um, allude to the fact that perhaps Gareth's dad was uh, my obstetrician when I was born. I was a twin born, uh, not not that premature, but to my mum who was pre severe preeclamptic and rode a back in the 1970s. And so uh, I thought that his um, dad was my obstetrician, but we've done some calculations and spoke to his dad and he wasn't actually working there at the time. So that was a complete... Um, um, uh, red hearing anyway i'm glad we've clarified that <laughs> okay so thanks again gareth for coming along it's been really good and uh, thanks for putting in a lot of effort to um uh you know look up this topic and educate all those of us um in this area because i know i've learned a lot from uh, from you and getting up to speed with it thank you roger thanks for listening everyone Please go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review. This will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.opsandgynecritcare.org where there will be lots of show notes and links to uh, interesting videos related to the topic that you've just listened to. See you again next time.